Hello, freaks, and welcome to Radical Research. It's been a while. It's been way too long. We had kind of a very unintentional hiatus. I, I know we've used this excuse before, but life kind of got in the way. And uh, Hunter, it feels really, really good to to do this again with you. It does. How have you been? We, we've been in touch, of course. In a, in a platonic way? Of course. It feels good. Platonic way. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fine, man. I mean ups and downs the dynamics of life uh canvas solaris album has come out since last we recorded i believe yes yes yeah um the the album that deletes the previous catalog in my opinion you know i don't share your opinion on that but i'm glad that you think that and a lot of people seem to think that (laughs) so the one thing we disagree about is your band yes (laughs) well it's not the only thing we disagree about. I know, I know. We'll, uh, but mostly we disagree about my band. We're gonna get it around. My dream will always be my favorite. Uh, Out of my dream. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. That's, that's my record. That's my second favorite. Okay. Cool. All right. Yeah, well, but uh, I can live it, with that. It feels good. Part part of the delay, and not all of it certainly, but uh, we're gonna jump on episode sixty nine much quicker than we did from sixty seven yep. to sixty eight. Yep. A lot. A lot of it was because. A long time ago, you had uh, an idea. You came to me with an idea and said, hey, if we ever get to 68 episodes, we got to make episode 68 one on the time signature 6-8. And I thought, well, that's such a fantastic idea. Let's let's do it. So then it came to time to do it. And you being a drummer and you being the originator of the idea, I thought, I'm just going to let you pick every one. I, I, I don't know if we've ever done that where like, you you picked every single thing. I don't think so. Yeah. And, and, and knowing that these were going to be a little bit shorter snippets, um, yeah. we decided to do a lot of them. And I think that that yep. must have been difficult to piece together. It was. Um, but again, this is not a, a narrative piece, at least not in like a, you know, verbal sense. It, it, it's certainly a narrative in a musical sense. But this is one of those episodes where we're going to let the music do the talking. And it is the most headbanging time signature. Anybody that's listening that likes to bang their head, they're going to enjoy this episode. We'll get into why it differs from three, four, why it gets a little bit confused for, yep. for, for maybe what? 12, it's eight. different from three, four. It's different yeah. from 12, eight. Yeah. And for very obvious reasons that I think will be illustrated by the uh, the music that we play. That we'll talk about a little bit more as we go, but let's yeah. get into it. I, we're going to start with two bands that I, I think kind of owned the 6-8 time signature uh, early on in metal. I mean, certainly mm-hmm. it was there in some uh, 70s priest, and, and uh, I don't know if Sabbath ever did a lot of it. I, I kind of tell um, the hole, hole in the sky. Uh, okay, there you go. There you go. But but I think uh, both Iron Maiden and Manowar took it to a new level uh, yep. when, when they would go into it. And it makes sense. It's uh, we're going to say this a lot, but it's the time signature of battle. It's the time signature of bloodthirsty marching. The time signature. It is. Of, the, the, uh, dude, you, you, you just you just like wrapped it up. It is the time signature of bloodlust. It's momentum. And yep. it's a ferocious kind of warlike momentum. So let's uh, let's listen to Iron Maiden's The Duelist and Man of War's Blood of My Enemies, both of them from 1984 albums. Strap it in, strap it on. <laughs> and I'm talking about your neck brace because you're going to need it. We're not talking about helmet here. <laughs> we, we are definitely not talking about helmet. I don't think those guys <laughs> even know what 6-8 is. Probably not. No, no, no offense.
So there you go. Man of War from 1984's Hail to England and Iron Maiden from 1984's Power Slave. I'm pretty sure that Blood of My Enemies was the first time that I really recognized some metal in 6-8 um, yeah. uh, specifically in a, in a very direct way where, oh, that's 6-8 because I was learning time signatures and stuff in school at the time and playing instruments and I kind of got it. You know, then I started to hear it more and more in metal throughout my discoveries of the 80s. And boy, it's everywhere. Yeah, it is. And and I mean, really, are there any more deadly vocalists than Eric Adams? I'm trying to think of a more deadly vocalist than Eric Adams. I mean, at his peak. Alfred. Alfred David, David Wayne on the first Metal Church album. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yep. He's he falls in that very rare tier of metal vocalists where at their peak. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, he didn't last forever in his peak. Nobody does. But yeah, man, if anybody that out there listening that doesn't think Man of War is all that, maybe reinvestigate uh, the first four albums because Eric Adams yeah. is, is a... Is Dude, a, Eric Adams is, he owns it. Primo vocalist. Yes. Yep. So there you go. And this, uh, you know, you, we're going to hear how that kind of marching battle ready 6-8 translates into the heavier metal that would occur. And, and occur quite a lot after 84 and, uh, and we're about to get into it this is uh block two uh we're gonna have five snippets of more six eight this is slayer's postmortem holy terrors damned by judges we finally got uh some holy terror in on radical research so <laughs> you conniving For- little thing you forest pits there you go <laughs> pay attention son uh sadist hands of fate blasphemy darkness prevails and nocturnus neolithic
I mentioned earlier that learning music and everything, reading music, all that. The only thing I really, really remember about six, eight, other than maybe playing it some in jazz band and symphonic band was a teacher saying that it was lively. I kind of remember that word oh. being used and it's kind of true. And, and so do you want to get more into why it is that way? It seems like a much faster time signature. I mean, a time signature isn't, isn't tempo, but it does seem that six, eight works really well. Um, with a faster tempo uh, do it, you have any does. thought on that and and it's kind of like why three four feels like a waltz and 12 eight almost seems like a shanty like six eight is the perfect balance between those two and played at the right tempo it lopes in a way that just sort of instinctually gets you headbanging and for me, like, like Dave Lombardo was the real first architect of the headbanging 6'8". Mm-hmm. Well, as we hear in postmortem, of course. Sure. Uh, I mean, all, for, all for me, postmortem yeah. is the beginning of like the really, really headbanging 6'8". Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now imagine, you know, when you say 3-4, we think of waltzes when we talk about the 3-4 signature. Uh, right. It's like you can count threes, of course, in six, eight, but can you imagine dancing to it, dancing a no. waltz to this stuff? None of it. <laughs> I mean, like it, no. it'd, be, it'd be almost impossible. It's too fast. Um, yeah. it, it comes by at too much of a clip. It's too lively. Totally. It is. Yeah. I would trade out lively for violent. Well, with, with the music we're talking about tonight. Yes, absolutely. Well, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe, of, maybe we should call this episode a lesson in violence. A lesson in liveliness. <laughs> or, or liveliness. <laughs> what do we do? Do you at all think we should just really quickly talk about what time signature means for anybody listening who doesn't understand it? Or do you think most of our listeners get it? I think they do. Okay. Anybody that doesn't. I mean, it's, it, yeah. I mean, so, you know, your standard like Western time signature is four, four. Mm-hmm. Just one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. And so 6-8, the clip is twice as fast, and the count is in six. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. And, and three, four would be one, two, three, and so one, it's two, a, three, it's a, one, it's two, a, three. Yeah, so it's a triplet feel but with eight notes instead of quarter notes. Exactly. Yeah. Denoted by the eight and the four in the, exactly. in, in the signatures. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so again, we heard Slayer, we heard Holy Terror. And I just want to say Alvord and Kilfelt, fuck the world, man. Those, those leads. <laughs> <laughs> I just love Holy Terror leads and I can't go any further without pointing those out. You um, know what? Just let's, let's just say Holy Terror, fuck the world. Yeah, no, seriously. I mean, one yeah. of the one of the greatest of all time. You don't like Holy Terror, just you know. You don't like music. You maybe, don't like maybe 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 this world isn't for you. Yeah, you're not, you're not long <laughs> for this world if you don't like Holy Terror. <laughs> Sadus Hands of Fate from the first album Illusions. Very 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 fast music, which you know, I mean, six eight makes sense. Uh, very short piece from Blasphemy. I, I love that you picked that one out from Fallen Angel of Doom. Just Holy love when blasphemy actually slows down a little bit <laughs> and gets music because yeah. it is so fucking brutal <laughs> yeah yeah no darkness prevails is like the one of the rare moments in their music where um you can hear a little bit of traditional metal influence right uh and that's again i think that's because of the six eight i think elsewhere man it's just, it's just a it's a chaotic nightmare of, of, of a listen um it's why it's, it's why we love it but you know they don't drop down into six eight for us very often nope not that not that i've detected but see now that you brought that out I might listen again and, and see if I can find it elsewhere in their, in their two albums. No, no, there, there's one more section on that album. Okay. And um, you actually like the second album more, don't you? I like the recording of it more. I don't like well, how fallen angel of doom sounds. I mean, I want that stuff to sound fucked up and raw and, and not right. Uh, but I just think gods of war achieves that a little better than fallen angel. I, I mean, material, sure. material wise uh, you know, gods, gods of war is certainly a more listenable album. Yeah, yeah, and there and there's more of that on there. Yeah, I, I like both albums a lot, and Nocturnus Neolithic from the Key. I'm pretty much enough said right there. That's a that's a 
Stone Cold classic. Yep. Let's move to block three. We're going to stay in the heavy realm, although no pun intended. We're going to start with realm <laughs> who are a little different than some of these others in this block from their suicidey album of 1990. We're going to listen to some of La Flamme's theory. This is the uh, Midwestern block. The Midwestern. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on now. Realm. Yes. Wisconsin order from chaos. Yes. Uh, what? Kansas city, Missouri. Yeah. Is that where they're from? Uh, sinister. Well, okay. Sinister. Uh, mid, mid, Midwestern uh, Netherlands. <laughs> Western Netherlands. Loud Blast and Merciless from the mid mid midterlands of France. Uh, and Morbid Angel from North Carolina, which um, might have been in the Midwest when uh, Pangea was a thing. So, yeah. you know. Well, and I mean, look, no, <laughs> nonetheless, I mean, Charlotte is middle, south middle North Carolina. And they're barely from Charlotte, but I mean, they had, they, if they're not from Florida, really weird. And you know what? Like, let's not uh, bore our listeners, but offline, I really would like to talk more about this. Nathan and I are very confused for one uh, about David Vincent's accent, which is not Charlottonian. Okay. Um, And you and I both have deep ties to that state. Um. And I'm in it. it, I'm in it right now. Well, I know you're. I'm I'm in it quite often. Carolina. I'm inside of you. I just rode up a goddamn mountain on on a bicycle (laughs) three days ago, and and I've got a damn mountain, North Carolina. And I was hating North Carolina for a little while there. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you saying you never understood it, or you didn't know where that came in, or? Well, you know that David Vincent is from Charlotte, and and they moved up there for a while and and had a rehearsal place. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just like when you listen to him talk right it just does not make sense he doesn't sound like like he's from anywhere like came up with his own accent right it doesn't sound like he came yeah it's the just the from anywhere it's just like i'm like descended from satan and this is how i talk i am the enigmatic egotistical leader of morbid angel and this is my I, accent. like my arrogance defies any geographical accent <laughs> it's just like, i mean it really is puzzling but whatever so perhaps i misspoke by saying they were from north carolina but uh, no no yeah. no i mean he he literally is from charlotte yeah i know so i mean like no we, all right let's get on with it so this is the midwestern <laughs> block three <laughs> if you if you can just you know suspend your disbelief for a little while all right let's take care of it
So we gave David Vincent a lot of uh, talking earlier, but we still have to mention him because Lion's Den by Morbid Angels, the only song on Covenant that he wrote the music for. Yep. And it just happens to be that, which I think is uh, contains one of the stronger Morbid Angel riffs in their catalog. I agree. Um, Before that, we had Loud Blast from 1993's Sublime Dementia and uh, Merciless's 1993 album Colored Funeral. You snuck some French 1993 music in here. Not surprised. I did. (laughs) Uh, No surprise. Yeah, no surprise. 93 or French death metal. Uh, Sinister Cross the Sticks, 1992, uh, which is probably the most 1992 sounding album 
ever. <laughs> right? It, yeah. Isn't isn't that the apotheosis of 1992 death metal recordings? I mean, it, sure. it, what people were going for was uh, what you hear on Cross the Sticks. I think if you're, uh, you know, unless you're something like Blasphemy and you're going for something super necro. Yeah. Um, or something tackier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think so. I mean, that is sort of how I've come to see Sinister like in my later life, you know, like I really underestimated sinister when mm-hmm. I was younger. Yeah. And I was wrong for that. And frankly, like I like, uh, cross the sticks more, but if you ask me to give you one example of death metal, I would say that sadistic intent off of the next record would probably be the song I'd play for you. Off of Diabolical Summoning? Yeah. Is that the second one? Yeah. I mean, that's... I don't know that there is a more unadulterated death metal song than that. Yeah, I mean, they are definitely the epitome of death metal. I, I you, you say you underestimated them early on. Uh, I never really estimated them. I mean, <laughs> or, or maybe I have, and I've come to the conclusion that I just, I think they're a little bit on the generic side. Um, I think you and I will disagree about that, but um, they're also a band like Suffocation and like a couple others that I appreciate a lot more now. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm more of a fan of, of early Suffocation than I was back then. I can't say I'm a fan of Sinister yet. Maybe I will be, but I know that at the time of hearing them, I was already really burned out and overloaded with death. There was just so much. Yeah. And it was great. You know, it was exciting. So you're listening to a lot of it and you're buying a lot of it or your friends buying a lot of the, but but it was like, I mean, in in, like you, you and I have, you know, different perspectives on this because you were actually getting solicitations. Well, that too. And I was also into the early, like I was buying screen bloody gore when it came out, I was buying seven churches when it came out. So for me, death metal wasn't yeah. like old hat you know it certainly morphed and evolved in the early 90s but i was harder to please i guess by 92 93 i mean you and i were a, a, you know like a generation apart in that regard yeah, yeah. but I, I only had so much money to spend mm-hmm. and i caught myself to whatever borovoy and eula told me to buy they were certainly biased against the more brutal stuff Good point. and they were into like the more progressive musically advanced stuff. Sure. And, and that's just kind of where I went. And it was, it was kind of funny. Like it took Akrakaki's words that go unspoken to get me into suffocation. Oh, wow. Like the really low, low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And later on, I realized how musically advanced that stuff was to begin with. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like it was passed over, but it was like, wait a minute. Like, I think all this stuff got passed over for no really good reason. You know, we've never really gone in depth about our differences in getting into death metal and what our expectations were, were at the time. Because I, I think back to 92 and I was I was definitely more into the technical stuff because that's where it was going for a lot sure. of the bands and a lot of the, the, the regions uh, were moving in that direction. So that Sinister just sounded a little simple to me. Now, I, at the same time, I liked Unleashed's first album, you know, which is a very simplistic record. I always just love the songs and the delivery maybe more than, than a Sinister. And version. now you've gotten into Grave. Yeah, now I've gotten into Grave. So to, to go back and get into some of that more simpler stuff that I was passing over because my, I, was, I was putting my attention on the complicated stuff or just the weirder stuff, I guess. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it, it behooves all of us music listeners to really go back and make sure that we don't get too stuck in what we think we like. You know, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Hopefully you're not so fickle that you're just turning around all the time. And that that would be strange, too. That'd be a strange way to listen and to uh, have a relationship with music. Right. I mean, we're pretty we're pretty stuck in what we like by this time. But don't. Yeah. Don't ever be but, afraid to surprise yourself, I guess, is what we're saying. No. Nah. Yeah. That's the joy of listening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get, go forward, let's go back. Order from Chaos from Stillbirth Machine, yeah. 92, and Realm from Suicide, 1990. So 
in that block, I think we hear where early 90s metal, whether it's somebody like Realm or Order from Chaos, uh, who are certainly on the more chaotic side of things, the more warring, pestilential metal side of things, where they all took this 6-8 time signature on how they made it effective. And it to me, here's where we start to hear 6-8 sound like a time signature that's almost in, in danger of tripping over itself. It's rolling over itself because it's so tumultuous i guess mm-hmm. the, the uh, well and you know that's the the physical effect of that time signature is that it just rolls over itself it's a tank and it's it, 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 dude nail on the head it's a tank at its most effectively deployed mm-hmm. it, it it is a tank yes and it's not to say that it's there's a smoothness to it too though right there's a flow to six eight that i really like whereas like say a five four the idea is that the flow is going to be a bit herky-jerky you know (laughs) it's gonna well well, there there is no flow right i mean it's it's always going to sound odd right six eight is distinctive in that i think it's a wave even more than four four six eight just rolls constantly yeah and let's get into more of it these four songs in this next block are all Swedish, all between 93 and 97. Not going to tell you who they are. Why don't you uh, try to have fun and, and, and take a few guesses on these four. And uh, yeah, hopefully you're on your seventh beer and uh, or 68th beer, as it were. <laughs> you're six. Uh, we hope you're in your 68th beer. <laughs> Actually, we don't. If you're, if you're, if you're Martin Van Drunen, you probably are. We don't because then we're going to be losing listeners by the dozens. Yes. And, you know. That, that would be terrible. We, we only have about a dozen anyway. <laughs>
Kale Sweden. Totally. Lose yeah. your soul and your mind, <laughs> people. You were uh, you mentioned the three notes in With the Sun. Uh, that was by Eucharist. That was the last of those four we heard. The Great Mirror Worlds from 97. What's kind of typical about that album is the the almost minimalism of yeah the, the, the economy. Like, how can you make that much impact with three notes? Yeah. Yeah, they do it well. And then, of course, their arrangement sensibility where they come in with that blast riff and the, the, the great drumming. And then, um, you know, some some excellent vocals after that, all in 6-8, uh, all really fantastic. Mirror Worlds is a really underrated album. That should be that should be talked of in the same breath as something like Storm of the Lights, Bane. I know it's a little different. Um, Agreed. And that's what we heard before them was dissection. But yeah, we, we think highly of mirror worlds around here. And we should we, probably do we an should, episode on it someday. Well, what we should probably do is an episode on the war comp. Oh, you know um, what? You know what? Those, those two, are, are, those two are, Eucharist songs on there are two of their best. I, I hate to say it, though. I don't think we ever will because our friends at Requiem Metal did it. Uh, uh, Jason and Mark beat us to that punch. Well, we love we love you, Jason. We love you, Mark. Yeah, we love those guys. And, and uh, they did it. But it's nice knowing there are other people out there in the world who share our love True. for that compilation as much as you and I, you and I have for it. True. Uh, so good. So uh, anyway, yeah, hail to Requiem Metal. The section, Retribution, Storm of the Lights, Bane from that amazing 1995 album. 6-8, perfect for them. Absolutely perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because it's like we were talking about before, the last block was like, it's got that mixture of kind of that elegant, sort of forward momentum or uh, the flow that it has i should say and and yeah and, and then the tumble your violence the tumbling yeah. uh, and then that, that that just more violent momentum that you feel so yep. uh before that dark tranquility away delight away from the ep from 95 of chaos and eternal night i think your favorite dark tranquility material pound for pound yep yeah i i mean galleries always up there but like yeah pound for pound probably my favorite dark tranquility it's great i I think it distills everything that they do very very well into you know one little tiny piece and we hear in that little snippet uh michael stana who uh in his day was a hell of a ripping vocalist fucking searing really good how how far do you go with dark tranquility i forget i drop off after my favorite one which is mind's eye so i go i get off pretty early um, I respect them. I want to like them a lot more than I do. I think I think their aesthetics are great. Their album covers yeah. are great. I just haven't haven't connected. What about you? Same. I thought you were like a projector haven guy for a while. No, I tried to get into projector. What about damage done? So that is a very popular album in the canvas Solaire sphere. I know Nathan likes it a lot. Chris loves it. And I've tried and, and I like it fine, but like, for, I don't know, man, it's just the thing after mind's eye, I just kind of fall off. Like I can never truly love anything after mind's eye. Same, but gallery and, um, and of chaos are my two favorite dark tranquilities. And then we started with necrophobic. Uh, nocturnal silence 93 yes uh, awakening listening to dissection and necrophobic in that same sort of block in the same proximity mm-hmm. there uh made me wonder if maybe john notvite from dissection didn't like a little bit of necrophobic oh i'm sure there's a very similar thing going on there in evil terms of evil death metal evil death metal with that kind of more traditional melodic sense in right. there tucked away in there i think dissection was a little more blatant with it but uh, necrophobic had that i don't think they get enough credit for it on nocturnal silence anyway i i totally they they have been passed over i think dawn probably loves nocturnal silence mm-hmm. i hear dawn. that yeah okay there's a lot of six eight and dawn too right a lot of six eight and dawn. Is, it, is it all six eight it's mostly six eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, another thing i wanted to talk about as we were listening to that block i thought my god you know the, some of those shitty folk metal movements that have happened over the years and in, in, yeah. in, in the genre are just all six, eight, it, you know, yeah. it would seem. And so I think, and, and I think power metal to some degree has been uh, it, a lot been, of six, eight and power metal. It's a, it's yep. been a little right, but to a degree, but like swashbuckling, 
there is that yeah there's there's that little <laughs> fancy the fancy pants stuff um <laughs> we should do we should do something on happy power metal from europe and call it the fancy pants files and just kind of do a side project podcast do you think so maybe okay that, um, that, there, there's plenty of fodder there <laughs> Our souls will never recover from that. <laughs> Anyhow, we make yeah. fun, but we have uh, we we like some power metal, and it's coming up. So um, it is. Should we get into that? Um, this is the penultimate block here, staying in our continent of choice, Europe. Borknagar's Colossus, Nocturnal Rites' Devil's Child from the fucking brilliant Afterlife album from two thousand. Just had to get that in. There. God, isn't that great? Isn't that a great it's, album? It's a like almost perfect album. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a modern classic for me. It, oh, primordial. I, 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 okay. I really like cannot say enough about Afterlife. Yeah. We'll say more I, about it after we yeah, there there are I really have wanted to like them after that. Yeah. But it's just like there's no point. <sighs> That's my I problem. I mean, it's like yeah. this shit just cancels out everything. Yeah, like the new canvas cancels out the entire Okay, yeah, what, whatever. <laughs> whatever jeff okay okay no, i put a lot of work into those other records you know i love son them. of a bitch you know i love them but i also do think that <laughs> the, the new thing is this is this complete and utter step up matt johnson thought the same thing in a recent conversation so well uh, you know what the thing that i've got on nocturnal rights is that we did all that shit earlier Ooh, there you go <laughs> so they've just been fucking around afterward so because right, they had greater, yeah. wasted any time since <laughs> <laughs> I've just been building up to something. So world's... fuck you, nocturnal rights. No, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say about afterlife. Johnny was it Lindqvist? Uh, yeah. Johnny, what, what was what's the singer's name? Lin, Lindqvist. He came in on afterlife, and yeah. because it was their best album, and he is his singing is incredible throughout the album. That's the nocturnal rights I've always wanted to like the most. But it turns out that I don't. You know that, and that's and that's frustrating because their first two albums with the different singer are really good too. Those are the three best nocturnal rights. I, I think they are without a doubt yeah i wish i could dude, do some like, later stuff do pentagram yeah pentagram on the second album dude, um i know hell I, of a song i have played that for a lot of people that, that, the second record I, I don't love the first record as much as you do oh yeah um, okay. i think they're i think they're equals i think the songwriting is just simply stronger on the second one i mean it, I, so I, many, well so do i so many hooks so do i and well, but but afterlife is just a really impressive evolutionary step and i don't think they ever quite got beyond that i uh, agree it sounds uh, like you and i have been wanting to talk about afterlife for a while i think we have yeah we have we have taken a dude it's a, like an amazing record yep like yep. truly yep i so, hope people hear it in the little snippet we're going to play we're going to also going to follow that with primordial i think everybody listening probably knew that that was coming on any show about six eight that anybody would do ever in the metal universe gods to the godless from spirit the earth of flame from 2000 and emperor empty we're gonna listen to all of that and talk about it all soon we're gonna okay. we're gonna have to talk a little bit about empty because that's why you and I've... i both have some major issues with that record yes but y but but ass uh hindquarters i dare you not to bang the head that does not bang to that riff <laughs> emperor's empty that'll be the fourth one uh so yeah let's review again just don't want to confuse you we talked a lot about nocturnal rights we're so gonna come get you some folks uh, some get you some borknagar nocturnal rights primordial emperor go six eight
Hunter just took a bathroom break in six eight. I did. Yeah, it's. I mean, only drummers can really kind of achieve that, pull that off. As one does. Yeah. Yeah. How'd that go? Well, that mostly in time. <laughs> Great. Rhythmic bathroom break. So, yep. um, let's review. Let's maybe skip the talk about nocturnal rights. I think we covered that. Um, yeah. Borknagar, Colossus, just one of the most beautiful things of all time. My favorite Bork. I mean, song. really, just yeah, true. Like again, yeah, like you said, my favorite Borknagar song. Yours it's too. One of the most sublime pieces of metal ever written. Yeah, yeah. There was a time I thought I liked Quintessence more than Old Domain. I think, you know, your pound for pound thing. I uh, probably like Old Domain a little more in Quintessence these days. But yeah, me too. Man, I love Quintessence. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really just, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a different experience altogether. I, I think so. Yeah. They cover the Borknagar spectrum the best. I think if you were to only give, you know, that alien that landed it. I was dying to hear Borknagar uh, gave him, can only give him two albums. That'd be, those would be the two. Yep. Agree. Uh, Nocturnal Rights, Afterlife, get it. Primordial, Spirit of the Earth of Flame, of course, that band very much built on 6 8 riffs, a lot of Man of War influence. Um, and I think that's where we have to start yeah, hearing um, some of this stuff is that, you know, uh, these guys are listening to a lot of stuff growing up on 6 8 in a lot of ways, right? Um, learning sure. through their DNA about this. Um, I think it's more, you know, it might be more interesting to look at like really early metal or proto metal that was using 6 8 and, and just hearing how it evolved over time. Might be a fun um, sort of pre precursor to this show sometime like a that could be they, cool what call it a prequel yeah do you remember uh camel's song six eight yeah from the first album they were one of the first bands to acknowledge the six eight time signature and play in six eight so i like that and let's get to it let's get to emperor let's get to prometheus the discipline of fire and demise from 2001 somewhat controversial mm-hmm. album easy to say that it's the first eson solo album rather than adversary yeah it 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 is it is in a lot of ways, the first Eson solo record. Sure. Um, less so because I do think Simoth had some input here and there. Well, he played rhythm um, guitar it, on it. That's how he's it's a very credited, like Rococo, like Baroque kind of guitar album. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and it's really interesting in that way. But song, song wise, um, there's there are some things left to be desired but this one song features one of the most just instinctively head-banging riffs that i've ever heard <laughs> and that's it have we talked about beach riffs and and if so can we and my second part to that question to you hunter again is empty having a beach riff no Okay, so that doesn't have a beach riff. No. Have we no. talked about beach riffs on we, we this have. podcast? We have. We have. Oh, okay. Yeah, we I, we got into beach riffs, I believe, on the um, the Roadrunner episode. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, naturally. Yeah. Anybody that doesn't know what a beach riff is, uh, I, I guess the quick review would be that part in the Loud Blast song we played earlier. That, yep. sa- that sounds a lot like, to me, uh, death in, in, the so indiv- ba- in the individual like, and yeah, symbolic eras. Chuck Chuck Schildner is the the author of the beach riff. Yes, yes, okay. And the everything beach. that like every other beach riff essentially derives from Schildner. He did talk like a beacher dude too, kind of like a. And it, well, I mean, he, he was a beach guy. Yeah. Man, you just gotta feel the metal. There you go. There the you go. Flow, man. Just gotta do that. But a fucking sweetheart and a, uh, a, yep. a, a genius, to be sure, in, 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 in metal music. Let's do it. Let's let's wrap this episode 68 up, the long-awaited. Um, before we do, I really want to thank all our listeners. I know we say that every time, but, man, when we post the playlist page, uh, just we kind of just document what Hunter and I listen to all the time, I suppose. Um, and we're probably forgetting something because we're just incorrigible maniacs, um, yep. just really the dregs of the earth. But we know that our, there are a few others out there like us. And uh, when we post those playlists, man, I love we love seeing what you guys listen to. That's been fun. And, and it's, you know, I, I, I spotted a guy and I, and, and I forgive you, sir, for if you're listening, if I forget your name, but he uh, clearly had read the same uh, Malacarpetan article. And I'm not sure I'm saying that band name right, but uh, Malacarpetan thing from Bardo methodology because on his playlist were the three albums by that band kisses music from the elder 
and whatever Rick Wakeman album was mentioned in, in the first page of that interview. And that's exactly what got me interested in that band. I was like, oh my God, this guy's ma- name dropping a Rick Wakeman album that I don't even like or have uh, and a Kiss album that I fucking love that nobody likes. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, this, this is, if somebody's drawing inspiration from these two things and they're sort of looking like and sounding like they could be maybe on the master's hammer and root level, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in on that. And I bought the album and it's fucking amazing. Um, oh, yeah. You can always reach us at radicalresearch.org. Uh, we appreciate everybody who's bought CDs and T-shirts from there or given contributions. And Gwyn Tarasca, if you're out there, thanks again for sending us a contribution and he doesn't want anything in return. Uh, maybe he wants us to go away. Maybe he thinks if we get rich enough off this ordeal, our main thrust of this, right? Hunter? Sure. You know, if we, if we do, we'll go away and he won't have to fucking deal with us. Anymore. All we're after is yeah. the money. <laughs> it's, it's the greed. So let's get to the blocks, the block six final of six. The beginning with uh, another Swedish band, Lost Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. How much do we love those two albums? Uh, A lot. Are they the best power metal albums of all time? I don't even, I don't even want to talk to you. <laughs> if if you don't think these are the two best power metal albums of all time. Well, no, I, I do. How well, much no, do you... I know you do. That's why oh, you and I, I are you were, like okay. such good friends. But like anybody that does potentially want to talk to me, if you don't think that, then we sh- probably shouldn't talk. And those people get bonus points for not liking the power metal term. I, I hate that term. I just want to call oh, these, I do too. these kinds of bands too. heavy metal. That's what they are. That's um, yes. And the problem, the problem with power metal is it used to have a different definition in 84, 85 fanzines. That's obvious. Everybody knows that was more exciter omen, that sort of thing. And the other thing is it just sounds stupid. And a lot of stupid bands have given it a really stupid name. <laughs> so Sabaton. Don't get me started. Uh, Solofald, Hyperhuman, from Pills Against the Ageless Ills. I think the, the kids call that uh, Paddle or Paytel. Yeah, it's Solofald Paddle. Solofald Paddle, you like that, Al? Um, yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's returning us to Norway, as we tend to do. And staying in Norway for the final song of this little chapter of ours, Immortal, In My Kingdom Cold, from Sons of Northern Darkness 2002.
that era of Immortal is one of the most headbanging bands ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we kind of get back to the beginning. We get more traditional yeah, metal styling exactly. than we ever had from them. Although they've hinted at that earlier, but yeah, sure. I mean, and we started the show with Man of War Made. You know, obviously, a lot of Man of War there. We promised a Man of War show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, you you got it. This is kind of the Man of War show, isn't it? <laughs> this might be your Man of War show. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, that, that ends our six, eight show. It's been a lot of fun. It's been amazing to be back with you, Hunter, in this capacity. Same. Anything else to say to the, uh, humans out there, the hyperhumans? Nah, it's, uh, good to be back with you all. And we will pick up, I think on a more regular basis now, right? Yeah. And I want to talk to you about that. Let's just talk, talk this over live earlier today. We had no plan. We have less of a plan than we did for the first 50 episodes of the, though we, we talked about many. Uh, we just have right. less of a patterned plan in terms of like, we really want to do this or really want to do that one. So on the fly here, we talked about doing Solifold. I wanted yep. to get back to Norway. You, of course, didn't even need to be asked, <laughs> but nope. I did as a courtesy. Never. But I'd like to do maybe Mirror Worlds for 69. I mean, oh, hell yeah. I think it's one of those that deserves a microscope look. I really, really believe in it. Um, and I think they would have to include the war comp tracks. Uh, uh, they would have to. That's the, that's the, would have to. that's the Eucharist we want to focus on. We won't touch yep. Velvet Creation. I don't think we need to. We'll it's a cool, that. it's a cool record. It's not great. So let's um, do it. Let's do that and then do Solo Fall for 70. Perfect. Perfect. 